This week, the obvious question is, is it just business or is it personal? I'm Mike Trevisano, and this week, Joe asks Bob and I if business is ever just business. When we power up our company laptops or scan our badges to enter the office, do we leave a part of ourselves on the outside? Should we leave a part of ourselves on the outside? Corporate world uses an all-too-familiar term of work-life balance, so what's the right balance? You know, you guys know I'm from New York originally, mm-hmm. from uh, Long Island. I grew up there, and um, at the time I was growing up, it was kind of simple and everything. But there was this phrase that got used a lot, and it's used in the movies too. And it, it, it's kind of used by groups of, uh, of people like the mob. And they say something like, hey, you know, nothing personal. It's just business. Is it just business? Is that what it's all about? Nothing personal, just business. Yeah, that must be a New York thing because, like, I don't I, – I can remember hearing that, like, up there, but, like, in the South, like, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard somebody say that, like, nothing personal, it's just business. You know what I mean? Like – Unless they put a gun to you and blow your brains out. It's like, they don't quite yeah. do that in public. That's the mafia on the movies. Yeah. But yeah, up there, it's like, hey, buddy, nothing personal. It's just business. They even say that way. It's just business. Come on. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, what? <laughs> if you grew up in yeah. like the South or whatever, you, you wouldn't get it. You're right. Yeah, you know, I hear it uh, even at the UN or or in, in IBM or wherever. Not, not in that gangster mob sort of, you know, hey, it's nothing personal. It's just business. I don't hear it like that. But I do hear that exact same sentiment as in, <laughs> you know. Come on, you know this is you know this is professional. We need to be professional here and, and and act accordingly. In other words, that you know your emotions, your you know your personal side of things should not come come into play here. Uh, you know this is just this is a business thing. You know we're doing it for a professional reason. Or, you know it creeps in that way, not with the the mobster line, but in the uh, even even stuff like. It, you know, God, I used to get this all the time at the UN, you know, where I would I would make a joke, even if it was just among, you know, my close teammates, I'd make a joke about something and, and somebody would get a little pissed, like, now's not the time for, for joking around. We need to be, you know, we need to be serious. And I would think, I am serious. I'm I'm serious in the way in 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 that yes, I you know, this is something important that we gotta work on, but I'm not you know, my joke is is to keep, add levity to it. You know, in other words, and but the, it would offend someone. It would be annoying to them. You know, like that. Hey, look, there's a time for levity and and personal relationships, and there's a time for business. And this time right now is is business. Mm-hmm. I guess we're just too nice and polite in the South. I don't. <laughs> I haven't run into that in the last twenty years. Where people bless like, your heart. You know, like people. Yeah, you get more. Yeah, yeah. Bless your heart. I mean, you get more of that. So, like that, I can which is yeah, it's not really to, polite, like, but that's okay. But but the question is sort of to me is at the heart of the whole work life concept. Is there such thing as a work life balance? Is there such thing as a, a work life and a personal life? You know what. To me, that's what it speaks to. You know, it's just business. Uh, you know, you know, nothing personal. It, you know, this is my work life. You know, responding or in or in yeah. that. Yeah. Let me let me rephrase the question a little bit, Mike. To what you said a minute ago, is um, I, I think I think we're on to the that split. You know, whether it's a split between um, how I how I am as a person, my personality, what I'm willing to say or do, how I'm willing to act. But I'll add a piece where. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I saw this book on the on a bookstore shelf, and it said, there's no such thing as business ethics. And it caught my eye, and I thought, really? 
I mean, is that how bad it's gotten? There's no such thing as business ethics? So I bought the book. There's a small book. Took it home and read it. And, and you know, re- read it. <laughs> and uh, the funny part is, I got caught because when I, the way I read it, I thought I knew what I was going to get. But what it meant was, and if you read the book, you'll see it says, business ethics, there is no such thing because there's just ethics. And if you think for a second there's a split between those two, if you get in your head that there's ethics, then there's business ethics as a different thing, then you're setting yourself up. And you're setting yourself for all those moral dilemmas, all those questions about who am I really? And who am I at home? Who am I at work? Who am I with my friends? And a lot of energy gets used up when you're moving between all those spaces. You have to remember who you are and what to do. And so things like, well, it's just business, all of a sudden takes on a whole different look. And to me, it, it becomes a um, possibly a real unethical move on someone's part for the things they're willing to do because it's just business. Almost like it doesn't reflect their own life. It's like a second life that exists out there. Everybody's playing by a different set of rules. I'll add one more thing. It was kind of funny. I was talking to somebody about EDS, you know, the company that I used to work for years ago. And, and I, I was proud telling them, I, you know, we had this greatest open door policy. I mean, you could go at any point, you could go to anybody, you know, you wanted to basically in the company. If you felt like you'd gotten a bad review of some sort or you're angry with something or something wasn't changing the way you'd like it to, you could talk to anybody. And the person looked at me and said, and you made it a policy? And I said, well, yeah. And I kind of went like, yeah, yeah, it was a policy, yeah. Isn't that cool? And they said, you had to make that a policy? And I went, uh-oh. And I could feel myself like sinking a little bit going, were we that bad that we had to make it a policy? We couldn't just do it? It was like you had to step outside of it and say, because this, this thing's so crazy, we have to create a policy that, and we'll try to enforce it, which of course you never do well, you know, enforce a policy that allows people to talk to anybody. Well, shouldn't that be there anyway? It's like all of a sudden I felt really small. And this thing I was proud of all of a sudden kind of came back and bit me really hard. And I said, you know, maybe I should rethink all the other policies too. The ones that, and I realized the ones we had in place were to make it so that the things that business does, unlike our, our lives, would work. And this was one that just caught me by surprise. Starting my career at EDS, though, you know, I, I have to defend it a little bit in that I, I remember that you know, say, having that same policy and having that same policy sort of communicated and, and thinking that was really cool. And since then, seeing other places try to do something like that, and it didn't work as well. And all the way to, uh, man, at the UN, it was so crazy hierarchical that you couldn't do that. It was, the policy was you couldn't, you couldn't go to just anybody. You, you had specific people. There was a way to approach things. And uh, if you didn't get uh, satisfaction, you had to go another, you know, policy, go to this office or something and, and bring your, your thing that way. And uh, it didn't work. I, I, you know, I, if, or if it worked, it, it worked in a very disjointed, uncomfortable way. You couldn't just go to anybody and say something. Hmm. So they had a policy that you couldn't go. Them and they created a policy that's because normal life you go to the people you have to to get the job yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I, I, I think I'd be wrong in saying that that they had a policy that said you couldn't do something. What they did have, however, is a policy of where to go if you had an issue. Right. That sounds kind of the same. <laughs> you know, it wasn't necessarily the place you wanted to go. You know, yeah. if I, I couldn't just go, and, and in fact, some some managers would be very clear about that. Look, if you have a question about that, please see somebody else. You know, go see your, your 
HR partner or your uh, direct supervisor, and 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 they'll take it up with the proper person. To, it was almost military. I guess civil service is very much like a military structure, right? These old ancient, you know, <laughs> thoughts on how organization should be. It's not exactly the, you know. Southern California flat organization where you do whatever you, you know, you do what's right to, you know, it's not that. So I think uh, it felt that way. It felt that way. You couldn't just go to anybody. Yeah. The, the whole policy thing in the workplace is interesting anyway, because, you know, what is it really there for? It's, it's to protect liability, right? You know, it's, it's really the protection of the company. And maybe they're designed in, in some cases for the two to 5% of the employee population that, aren't going to follow any rules, you know, because uh, it's the whole ethics and compliance thing. You're right, Joe. Like, why do we need the, why do we have to write down these things that we shouldn't steal stuff from work? And it's never that black and white. It's very like, you know, we have high ethical standards. You know, Mike, you shouldn't be given gifts at work. If you are, you need to report them if they're over $100. And everybody's good with that because most people don't get those gifts. <laughs> but then they see somebody at a higher level, they're like, well, wait, they just did that, or they got this perk, but what about me? Like, I'm not getting that. So it's kind of to create that level playing field. But they don't feel that way when they get implemented. And then everybody's taking those ethics and compliance courses, and it's like, they're they're pretty tough. You know, it's like, but why don't we just know this stuff offhand? The other thing I think about from the business sense is, you know, is it, hey, it's just business, or hey, it's just money? Because I wonder if money is what really changes everything. Like when there's money exchanging hands, because I can think of a business, and, and Joe, you would know this too, from you know being a kind of a entrepreneur and self-proprietor and having your own business, or even at one time having your own pizza shop. When even if it's a family business, when you throw your family in there and there's money involved, uh, I'm sure that causes some tension. But then yeah. I, but then on the other hand, I've heard people even that work for volunteer organizations, if but I guess even there, there's even though you're volunteering, there's still paid position, there's still money, there's donations coming in. So, to some extent, as long as there's the American dollar, you know, involved, it it seems like things get a little corrupt and out of whack. Where that phrase, you know, well, it's just business, <laughs> comes yeah. into play. I think you're absolutely right, Bob. And I think the funny part is, you know, having gone through it, I think I've even, I probably didn't say the words exactly like that, like. Hey, it's just business. Don't don't take it personal. But when you have a business and when you do work like that, you do run into situations where you have to let somebody go, or you have to, you know, for no no other reason than there's no money. You know, it's not like you don't like the person. It's not like they're not a, a good person doing a good job. There's just not a spot right now. And you look at that person, and I would want to say to them something like, you know, boy, you're a great employee, and just at the moment, I can't, you know, I can't do this. But I'd love to, if the opportunity comes up again, to work with you another time. And I'll probably say some of those words. But in the end, what I'm thinking is nothing personal. It's just business. It's just that, you know, I'd love to have a charity here where you could all stay. But we're not a charity and we're, we're making money. And that's part of the, the solution is to make sure I protect that for the people that are there. So that if I, I do make it a charity, and I, I've kind of borderlined that several times in my life where I've, I've thought I can do something that will make this good for everybody. But everybody's got to take a hit for that. And the people that are on the higher end don't like that. They don't like the idea that they have to cover somebody else, you know, for that moment while they sit on the bench. But to me, that's part of maybe that's a socialistic look or it's, it's, it's the communistic look or whatever. It's not meant to be that way. It's meant to say they're real people in a real situation 
how can we keep them whole for the period of time that that we can't we can't all prosper when when the business is down or something's not working right. So I think this is a challenge, and I think for me as I look at it, you know, I'm sure Bob, you've done some coaching where people have said to you, you know, I I would I'd love to just tell them this. You know, I'd love, and they're looking for advice, and and you'll say something like, well, just tell them, and they say I can't. And to me, the, when I hear that, the obvious thing that you're asking them to do, or they're asking you, can they do? And then they say, I can't do it. That's the, that's the mother load right there. That's the one you go for. Because at that moment, there's a policy or there's a perceived policy or there's a block of some sort that's keeping a person from being themselves. Because in another situation, it's even obvious to them that they would just say, I just go and talk to them. I just resolve the issue. I'd walk in, and, but I'm, I can't do that. Yeah. Why not? Well, it's, a, it's always the, well, you don't know this person, Mike, or you don't know this person, Joe, yeah. and this is how, this is what they would say. Uh, we we kind of define the outcomes in our mind, and, and that prevents the conversation or dialogue from taking place. I think so, and I think it, it gets crazy as you look at it, and then, then it happens to you, and you, you feel yourself doing the same thing, talking to somebody saying, you know, you just coached that other guy on it, now you're having the same dilemma with a different situation, and you're answering the same way. Uh, if you knew this person, if you were in my life, if you understood, you know, and it's it's true at that moment for you, but it's only as true as it was for that person when you were trying to help them to move forward as well. Yeah, but maybe it's all about this philosophy of nothing personal, it's just business that, let's say you come into the workplace and you say, no, it, I'm the same person at work that I am at home, and it's it's all personal because I'm the same person. But you're working with a boss or another group of people that have that philosophy that, no, I'm this way at work. I've heard people say that, that, you know, like, well, you know, I don't want to make any friends at work because, you know, this is just the workplace. And, and I, you know, when I go through that revolving door, I swipe my badge, you know, my gear is on, like I'm a, I'm a different person. And I, I don't know, I, I have a hard time doing that, being that different person. But I know even for me, I am a different person because people have told me like, wow, you're really good under pressure, handling conflict at work. It's like, how do you do that, Bob? You're amazing. But then I come home and there's conflict or something happens, like somebody got in a car, I go, oh, I'm freaking out. (laughs) I'm like, how did that happen? How come I'm so calm and controlled at work when there's a major disaster and, you know, millions of dollars are flying out the door, but yet at at home, if like, wow, I have to pay 20 bucks for what? Like, that's crazy. (laughs) but, But I think maybe it's because I'm, I am maybe a different person at work and I'm somewhat separated from that, let's say that stack of money or or those computers or whatever that they're not really mine. I'm, you know, they're you're, they're borrowing my time. I'm consulting here. Like maybe I'm not a hundred percent vested, even though I say and want to say that I am. That none of us really are a hundred percent vested, and that's why it's don't take it personal. You know. Yeah, and I'd love to ask you guys a really loaded question. What kind of people do you like to work with the most? I mean, which are the best people to work with? The ones that are different at work and different at home and different everywhere or the ones that are consistently the same? And, you know, you look at them and you say, well, they're not the perfect business model the way I would I would say business has projected it to be. But they're they're this way. Which which is your better place to be or better people to work with? I would I would say the the, the best people I, I would I would describe the best people to work with exactly as I would describe the best people to be with in my life, right? And, and they'd be all of those, those words that, you know, we love so much. They'd be honest and trustworthy. They'd have compassion. They would be sincere in what they say. 
they'd be uh, accountable for the things that they do. Just, I mean, I would describe, describe your best friend, Mike, I would use those same words. Describe best employee, I would use those same words. So in, in that way, I, lo- I love this question because, you know, I, I just cut right to the, to the end and say there's no, there is no personal Mike and business Mike. And I think I, I know leaders or I know people who are super successful in, in business or, or were super successful in business, but just have terrible personal lives. And I think, I think that happens when you try to make that division. When you try to say, no, I'm going to be one way at work and one way in life, you're going to pay the price. One is going to be, if you make that uh, defining action in your life, then one is going to suffer for it. I remember, and I don't work for him anymore, so I'm okay to say it. I remember when I first started working for IBM, being freaked out because I met all these incredible managers. They, you know, they would fly them in from New York and California, or whatever, to spend some time during the week, and then they, those same people would fly back, you know, to wherever they came from on the weekends, and they were. They were really awesome. They were incredible leaders, incredibly driven in the office before seven, leaving the office at nine, whatever, like making it happen. But my God, every one of them had something wrong in their personal life. Like they were all divorced. They, They all had either high blood pressure or a heart attack already. They had kids that were, uh, had serious problems. I remember a couple of them had like, you know, children that, that had anorexia or bulimia. Like they had serious shit. But here in the office, they were, they were incredible. And I remember thinking, well, that's not okay. I, I, it scared me. I was a, as a new IBM employee who wanted to be a great employee, who would go to a great position of leadership someday, you know, who would continue to, to really do amazing things in that company. I remember thinking, Jesus, is that like an eventual price I'm going to have to pay? And I'm, I'm thrilled to say that I, I never paid any of that price and, and left kind of unscathed, right? I think, other than, oh, shit, I remember, God, I say unscathed. God, I remember thinking at one point, if I continue to work like I, I was 10 years in or something at, by the time I had this, but I remember thinking, if I keep on working like this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a heart attack by the time I'm 44. I don't know why I came up with the age 44, because at the time I was like 38. So 44 was my prediction. That was my over and under for the, you know, for the, for the betting. But I was like, I'm going to die at 44 if I, keep, if I yeah. keep going this way. That's probably because you knew people that probably actually did suffer a heart attack you mm-hmm. know, within, yeah. within the organization. And uh, gosh, yeah, you threw out so many interesting things. I really love the... Uh, you know, the, the friends, you know, and, and the attributes of them and the folks that you want to work with at work. I, I think, I don't know, there are so many people that just want to get into the business, though. Like, you're like, wow, if I just knew this person, maybe I could work more effectively with them. But there seems to be a, I don't know, maybe the problem is really on my shoulders. But I, I look at other people that, well, they don't know anything about me and they don't really want to have a conversation. So it's like, how do I work more effectively with them? Because it's like, I don't know, I, I've become distant from them at some point to say, okay, well, I've worked with them long enough and they have no idea. You know, it's the surface stuff like, hey, Bob, how are the kids? You know, I get a lot of that, you know, like, eh, yeah, they're okay. They're just kids. <laughs> I, I don't know if you really <laughs> care about them. Do you really know their names? But it seems like the right thing to say. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the conversation stuff. But I'm a little bit skeptical about 
Now, there are people that I'm really tight with at work, and those are the ones that I know their life, I know their pain, I know their their happiness, I know their sadness. If they come in and there's a look on their face, I'm like, what, what's wrong? You know, are you having a bad day? Like, And they'll tell me, this is what happened at home. That's a friend, and that's an employee. And I've always gotten caught up with, you know, other managers have told me, like, Bob, don't don't be friends with people at work. You can't be friends with people that specifically work for you. You can't be friends with them. I say fool you to that because mm. the most effective employees that I've ever had in my life in my, you know, 28-year career have, have been the people that come over to my house and have dinner and and they're good friends of mine and and I think those people I know their ethics and I know that they'll work for me and they'll bust their ass, you know, when and when things get tough. And I can even have a tough conversation with them and say, "Hey, I think maybe you're taking advantage of this situation here and I need you to, you know, you know, really toughen up and and go and and run towards the finish line." And they'll do that for me. Uh and I think, you know, all of us have had those people in our lives that are like, "I know this person will do this for me." And not just because I'm pulling the friend card because but but there is something about that connection and those are the people that I want. And, you know, that's that, like, out there vision, like, wow, if I had my own company, it would, I'd work with these two incredible guys, and their names would be Joe, and their names would be Mike, and things would be perfect, and they pretty much are, you know, here we are (laughs) doing this podcast, I mean, very rarely do we have, you know, a fight or a disagreement, we can, you know, you know, not be in alliance on, on some things, but it's just, it's a good union, you know, and, and I think that's what makes it a good union is that we're good friends, you know. You know, to to sort of second exactly what you're saying, Bob, I, re- I remember uh, a lesson I learned as an employee, as a, as a very junior person that I was happy to take when I became, you know, project manager, senior project manager. I had people reporting stuff to me at, at IBM. And, and the lesson was... Uh, I had I was asked by my supervisor Dave to do a whole bunch of stuff and I, and it, it would have meant coming into the weekend and staying late and the whole the whole thing and I remember very clearly thinking I'm going to do I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it because Dave asked me not because I had any kind of work responsibility but it was like well Dave needs me to do it and I remember the the name Dave being the thing the thing I focused on well Dave needs it and I remember if I've had other bosses I did stuff for because I had to comply. And I, and I think that's what you get. If you treat people as a, as a leader, as a employee or as a pawn or as a, a role, you know, if you have a bunch of roles that report to you, the best you're going to get from those roles are, is compliance. You know, they will do their job. They will do the stuff and they will come in at 8.30 and they will leave at 5. They will take an hour for lunch and that's it. But if you if you have people that you build authentic relationships with and you let them be who they are, geez, when you need them, man, they'll, they, they will be there for you. And you'll be there for them because you've developed something not made out of compliance. Yeah. So let's 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 uh, let's end this podcast. Uh, any final thoughts? It, it sounded like that was kind of a good wrap up, but I'll give you guys a chance. If anything else you need to say before we before yeah. we end this, yeah, I'll start and, and say, Joe. You know, I was, I was really opposed to your question at first. I put up a lot of barriers and walls, but I I, I have to say, wow, I got a lot out of it, even for myself, um, because you know there there really is no separation there, and and I think even what Mike just said, I think about 
you know, whatever that company is, XYZ, you don't work for company XYZ. You really work for whoever your boss is, your peers are. You know, those are the things that, that bring you to work. I mean, sure, it's all a paycheck, and, and that's important, too, to, to make a living. But I think there's more to that. It's that it's that drive to, like, I feel good when I come into the office every day, and I, I'm coming here to see, you know, the people I work with or maybe even my friends. And that's the kind of imp- environment we all want to be in. So it's a thank you for uh, asking the question. Nothing personal about not liking the question, but now now I'm warming up to it. So thanks. You're welcome. Mike, <laughs> for, for, for me, uh, the, the, I, have, I have such a strong belief on this that there is no, there, there is and should not be a personal or a, <laughs> geez, that's wrong, a business side. There should only be the personal side. There should only be the relationship side. And I think I define that by the, by the, big, the big goal at the end, which is to be on my deathbed, right, surrounded by my friends and family, that picture that you have, and to not be thinking back on all the wonderful units I processed at work, you know, but rather to be thinking about the people in my life and the things that made me feel good and the relationships I had. So I see, I see treating things as cogs and wheels and, and roles at the workplace as opposite of my mission, it, we, why, why I'm here. I'm here to live, to live a life. And I'm not going to let cogs and wheels and roles in the office postpone my living of a life. Great. So at the risk of oversimplifying this, I'll just say it sounds like we're in agreement that the, the expression, hey, nothing personal, it's just business. Nah, we're at the point of saying it is personal. It's all personal. And I'm sure if you're listening to the podcast right now, you're probably thinking to yourself, yeah, but what about and what about? And, and you probably have the same kind of concerns we have. And, and uh, what I'd say is this. We, we do this podcast and we try to be real and authentic. And it's funny how the times I feel, and I'm sure Mike and Bob also, like we're not quite expressing it the way we would right after the podcast ends. Because a lot of times we have a conversation when it's over, we'll talk a little bit more and the three of us look at each other and say, why didn't we say that? You know, it's that moment. So we're struggling with that as well. And as you struggle with the question, we're struggling with it. And we're going to try and improve that and do better and better each week as we as we do the podcast to reveal more and more of ourselves. We think we're doing that now, but I think we're going to get even further along with it. It's going to be fun to do it. We hope you'll take the trip with us and, uh, and especially uh, give us your feedback. And we'd love to hear about more obvious questions from you. We've got a whole list of them, which we don't share with each other until the moment that we actually ask them. But we think it would be neat also if there's some burning questions out there, the obvious questions that you have that you're wrestling with. Let us know. We'd be happy to, to take those questions and one of us will grab it and ask the other two and, and do the podcast like we're doing right now. So uh, stay tuned as always at uh, obviousquestion.wordpress.com. We look forward to hearing from you and uh, thanks for listening.